I picked up all of my comics for the past month this week. A lot of good stuff actually coming out new. All right. Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. Today we are talking about the first couple issues of Michelle Pifay's Copra. So I wonder, Amir, since you came relatively later than me to comics, if this feels different in any way for you. Because for me, this is kind of this wonderful mix of total nostalgia trip mm -hmm. and completely innovative comic storytelling. And it just hits this sweet spot. Every time I read an issue of Copra, mm -hmm. I just enjoy it on so many different levels, you know? Yeah, I... Um... So this isn't the first time I've read this, actually. I actually, uh, I came to comics very, you know, pretty late, like my early 30s and stuff, and all the way back from when I was a kid. And, uh, but I was very fortunate that I was exposed to some amazing people who know a lot about comics. And so I was fast-tracked into picking up full comics and understanding the history of comics. And then I was just interested. I just got obsessed. So the way... Um, I was introduced to Copra was, uh, you know, I, there was a point early on, I was just buying everything, mostly, uh, you know, the big two, Marvel, DC. And locally, we have a shop called Mission Comics and Art in San Francisco. The owner, um, Leif, um, actually, when I was going to buy, he said, hey, you know, we have this new thing. It's called um, Copra. You should check it out. And he gave me this, the first it's actually literally, we read the, the, I read the trade paperback, but uh, Michelle Fifi, after he put out the issues, has a catch-up. He put out an issue one, two catch-up. Mm -hmm. And so I bought that book and I read it. And I have to be honest with you, I did not like it. I was okay. like, this is, this is not attractive. This doesn't look like Ivan Reese. This doesn't look like Ethan Van Skyver. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And then, of course, I was ignorant, um, you know, I mean, this is back in the early 2000s when like Green Lantern was, you know, Ivan Reese and like, you know, I was what, you know, and but then I realized I read it a little bit. I was like, it's so cool. And you, I start to like, find out a little bit more about Michelle Fifi. And um, I started to read it more. And I was like, this is what I want to read this this type of stuff and um and i don't know it's just great storytelling it's i love the fighting there's an action scene here which was it was such a pleasure reading it again like like the fight scenes they're like it's like totally like action-packed and it's not boring i thought honestly like i messaged you yesterday and i said hey can we read the first two issues because i think i'm it's gonna take i thought it was I'd forgotten that I thought it might be a schlog. And it's like, no, no, it was so much fun reading it again. I read this trade paperback before. I, I just remember it. And um, it was so much fun. I even drew as a fan art, uh, one of the, Die Die, one of the main character, bad characters and stuff for fun. So I'm a big fan of Michelle Fifi just in general as a creator and as a person really. Like, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I know him, you know, I follow him and he's got a lot of historical facts about and so i'm just glad that you know i was exposed to uh you know savvy comic readers such as yourself and all the people locally here 
that uh, work great. And so I have all the all the first five trade paperbacks that are put on by Bourbon Street, who I'm also was also a fan of that store. It's in New York. They don't no longer there with. Um, and um, the one Tucker Stone used to work at. Yeah, yeah, and I know. Um, yeah, it's a it's. So I, have, I actually have a lot of the issues too. Probably like after the first six, I have most of the issues up until recently. I actually have a little Copra mini poster up on my wall in a frame right here to my right. I can't right. see it. You have the Copra background on you. Oh yeah, well, and you couldn't see it because cool. I was pointing at it. I'll turn off the background. Oh cool, awesome. Yeah, so I'm just a big fan of his. Yeah, I've been a fan of his work since um well i mean since since i think i found out about it or when the comics journal used to do a links page mm -hmm. and someone linked out to it and said this is amazing you got to check this out hey mm -hmm. fans and i ended up uh falling in love with it now i had a question i know you know having you know gone deep dive in on the on copra are you familiar with the Suicide Squad that this is kind of like an homage to? Yeah, the original Suicide Squad comics, yeah. And they are a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. In fact, we should read those at some point too. Um, the original John Ostrander Suicide Squads are just fantastic comics, very much of their time frame, but they are just exciting and interesting and they feel kind of transgressive for the time period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the beauty of Copra, though, is like it takes all that as a as an influence, but it does its own thing, right? FIFA is totally, totally following his own vision here. Yeah, and just and throwing everything together, you know, everything just kind of it, it's it's in its own specific place, and it's just super enjoyable. And I think one of the things is I've never read Suicide Squad, but one of the things I love about Copra, and I know we're only doing the first two issues, maybe it's just Copra as a whole is that the characters do really get developed and pe people do get killed off. And um, so it's, uh, I love that aspect of it. We're like, there's a lot of development. Like my favorite one is I think the robot kid mm -hmm. in the beginning, you really see a lot about his background, like the nerdy robot, the guy who controls robots. And then you learn about the model, you know, the, the supermodel lady who's an assassin, like her family, like where she came from. Yeah, and then, the background of the Punisher type character, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, I, I wanted to say, like, I almost can't help but feel that at some type of a butterfly effect, some type of like an osmosis effect. I don't know if that's even the right word for it. I think this probably had an influence in the movie Suicide Squad being made. Like, it probably like I didn't know anything about Suicide Squad until I read Copra. Mm -hmm. Because people are, hey, Copra is cool, check it out. And then like, oh, it's a homage to this thing called Suicide Squad. I, I haven't really read that. I never really went back to read it. But I bet you like it put it in the, out in the ether. And I think it has a little bit to do with like, you know, the movie Suicide Squad being cool. You're reading this first issue for like the fifth time or something. Um, mm -hmm. Like it totally struck me as being like the beginning of the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, yeah. Right, there's these heroes, they go to another country, they're all kind of obnoxious and lazy and uh, kind of arguing with each other in, in a way. Um, and then 
they get caught in this battle and a bunch of them end up getting killed and they have no idea what caused it really mm-hmm. and like it feels so much like that the suicide squad film beginning but also it, like this just works so beautifully all by itself too i have to say the dialogue flowed really easily I and mean, there's a lot of dialogue during the beginning i was like oh my god it's gonna take but it was so fast mm-hmm. and in the beginning it really reminded me of uh you know when the the, the first few pages when they're like in the van or something going to their mission or something the dialogue reminded me a lot of uh very similar to tarantino you know like oh i made my mom a card you know i mean it's not the same but it's just kind of interesting that it's kind of like that you know they're having that conversation one of them is all like nothing personal you know like don't talk you know it's just like uh reservoir dogs mixed in with pulp fiction type oh my god i mean i was just gonna make the same exact point (laughs) <laughs> we're so in tune with each other after doing this for a couple of years i know <laughs> Maybe yeah, it, it, i was it, just it, gonna say like you know whining light light just whining oh are we safe is it gonna be okay and then the whole bit with you know how's your mom you get her anything i made her a card and like that that just that little sequence of like how's your mom i bought her i made her a card like that just feels weird right it makes you want to know more about these characters yeah like like you can't imagine a doll making his mom a card so you're thinking who is this robot creature and and like what's this relationship to his mom it's like Mm -hmm. and like just how everyone's like looking at him and trying to give him advice about the way to treat his family it's just just really kind of nice it's a fun scene by itself but it builds character too Mm -hmm. makes Mm -hmm. you want to know more about these people yeah, yeah. And what I also love, you know, just to talk about this outside the stories, the art, you know, I was like, oh, this isn't like draft, this isn't Wally Wood-esque art or whatever, but there's a lot of experimentation that he does. So I think one of the things I love, I've always heard in art when they talk about if you limit yourself, you're actually going to be able to be more innovative, you know? And so like, I feel like part of the reason this art looks this way because it serves a purpose of the, the comic. In addition to that, I think, you know, it's like, you know, he can do it within a 30, you know, 30 day period to finish it because he does color, inking, writing, you know, penciling, ink, you know, all that uh, uh, letters and everything. Right. Um, but also by constraining it, he's able to do more with the art. So there are actually aspects of it where you see kind of like some heavy shadowing, like in, issue two in the beginning it's like whoa this is totally different than before so a lot of experimentation with colors and different media um so i i love it it's uh it's very cool yeah the sequence at the beginning of issue two was so just interesting looking yeah i was like where is what is this i don't even remember seeing this this incredibly dramatic foreshadowing with the rain just like sparkling out uh you know, these, these dramatic angles and stuff. It looks like Frank Miller's Sin City. Exactly. That's what I was thinking, yeah. It really shows his influences on his sleeves. And then in chapter one, you know, there's the whole battle about the alien artifact. And there's the one panel he draws that's in the shape of the artifact. Mm-hmm. After that whole kind of awesomely surreal uh, uh, battle scene where he you know, starts with like the the... Uh, zooming into the artifact and then zooming into the characters' faces. And then this battle where he does that cool thing with the colors he does too, which mm-hmm. has got the lines of green, pure green, just kind of emanating out from, I forget what the villain's name is, 
Um, and it just feels so like off-putting and weird and comic booky in a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in one of the things I'm learning about as I'm doing film study is like uh, people talk about cinematic moments as being pure cinema. And this is pure comics. You know, this is like the epitome of what comics are all about. Mm-hmm. If that's not too pretentious. Mm-hmm. It probably is. Uh, but you know, like that, 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 that panel where it's like the like the artifact and then you got the, the image inside it and there's such depth of image in there too right mm-hmm. it really is just amazing storytelling yeah i don't think this was his first work right no no he's done a lot he actually did a lot of uh, you know I, I even went back and bought some of his older comics he actually had a different style not too different but pretty different he did um there's a comic, you know, Zegas was is a is a comic that he did before this, I believe. Yeah, I have a copy of that. Fanographics put of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of these issues that he, he put out are very rare. So some of them are very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but he's done, he actually has done um work for hire as well. Um he wrote Secret Avengers for a while, I think, right? Yeah, that was after this, but even before that, he did a uh, he did like a image. Uh, well, he's done Savage Dragon, like this is again like so a lot of uh, self published stuff, and I think he did some comics. I think there's like he did something in with image that I have that I I can't really find what it's called now. But we did that Bloodstrike comic. Well, the Bloodstrike is after after he was popular. Oh yeah, I, I see what you mean. He's done a lot of, he's done some things before this, yeah. I, I was just reminded though, reading this, just like reading the first couple issues of Saga uh, last week, like how much I love this comic, just like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not a struggle at all. In fact, like I, I read it twice to get ready for it, for the call and like the second, Second time through, I picked up on so many more little character bits. Like, you know, he's got the that kind of analog of Doctor Strange and Clea with, uh, with Xenia and, um, and Vincent. And like, you can pick up on little bits of like relationship stuff between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, pick up on like her, just, just from the way Copra draws like Xenia's face, you can pick up on like her kind of mm-hmm. superior attitude People don't quite like her because she feels like she's like off from them. But at the same time, like she's got a shirt that's only, that looks like it's like uh, falling out of her, her uh, pants on, in the, on the one side. So it's like he's a tiny bit of taking the, the uh, piss out of her. It's on page 34, I think, of my edition I'm looking at. Yeah. The title page of Kiss the Ring on My Fist. And like, that's what you're saying. Like the, so much of Fife's work is like how he does these tiny details, which end up building into just something really special. Mm-hmm. You know, on the next page, when Vincent's at his table and everyone's gathered around him and you see all the little tiny uh, images of the artifacts all around him and you just get the sense of this bigger world he's part of. Mm-hmm. And that's what Fife does over and over again. It's like, give us an idea of, like these characters are all part of a bigger world, but they're all in a way like real people. And on page 36, when you got the 
the scene with the Captain Boomerang character. And um, Brenda throws the cigarette in his mouth and stuff. And it's like, this is just so clever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty cool, cool stuff. By the way, like, uh, actually, Fife uh, Fife also did um, some comics called Brawl. Uh, and also, he actually did an issue with Harvey Picar, Negative Burn. Oh, I didn't know that. 2006. Yeah, he's, I just checked. It's he a did lot a Picar of... comic. Wow. I did not know that. Uh, anything else you want to say about Copra? Oh, no. It's I a think quick one. I think when we, when we rave about things, we kind of end up just talking real quick. Yeah, it's... Uh... I think I, I really, I think I'm going to go and try to see if he has some issues available of the latest ones to buy it. You know, I would recommend, I recommend folks buying the, at least the first trade paperback just to kind of get a feel of it. Uh, I was going to ask you just as a collector thing, do you have the uh, Bergen Street copy or the image edition? I got the Ber- the uh, Bergen Street copy because I got turned on to it early. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then I have this kind of scattered run of comics I picked up from the Bergen Street run. I love the format on those, too, because the covers are thicker. The paper's slick. Yeah, like the French, uh, what is it, French flaps? French flaps, yeah. Yeah, about a stack of the originals. So, um, you know, I can, I can say, hey, I was into this band before anyone else. Nice. You have the number one, issue number one? I think I do. I should see nice. what, what that thing is worth. <laughs> Awesome. Well, anyways, this is a, I would highly recommend it. Um, this is like an auteur that I want to follow and I do. And um, yeah, his work it. just gets better too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like about Copra is, you know, I, I'll forget what happens between issues. But when I pick up the issue, I just have so much fun reading each issue. Anyway, mm-hmm. that kind of doesn't matter that I don't, that I'm not tracking what's happening. But then when I read them together, it just goes to a whole other level. And like you're saying, like the character building stuff just grows so much the more you read of it. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, read- I'm just about to finish my saga reread. Maybe I'll just start rereading Copra since I know it's all on Hoopla. Mm-hmm. And then, as you mentioned, um, there's like a lot of character analogs here too. So it's not, there's like a Doctor Strange analog. There's a Punisher analog. So it's not just, uh, and there's like a Iron Man analog too, right? Yeah. So like, it's not just DC or even Suicide. So other than, you know, there's the boomerang, you know, that kind of thing. It's the kind of comic that could really only appear now in a way. Yeah. Because he's, it's, it's this, I don't want to say it's like a postmodern take, but it's kind of a kind of skewed take on, on the heroes. It's such a unique comic because you're totally right i don't think this comic could appear 10 years ago or it could have appeared 10 years from now it's like Mm -hmm. and then i I don't think anybody would be you can't that's actually a great sign of a great art form art piece that no one can really copy it i don't think you can really copy this you could try to copy the nostalgia but you can't it's it's going to come off disingenuous whereas in with fifi 
you know, the, the heart shows up on paper. You know? Well, that's the thing, right? It's derivative, but it's not like, it's not copying it. Yeah. And the wonderful, the crazy thing about it is that um, it's, it, it has everything. I mean, like the art is not standard art. You know, the content isn't standard content, but there's just a lot of heart. And I think, um, and I feel mm -hmm. it is pretty niche too, right? I mean, you gotta like, I wonder if the niche market for this is 35 to 55 year old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we just fit male, right in that niche. Male who read these comments. <laughs> oh, I resemble that, yeah. But it doesn't matter because it's got heart, you know? It's got heart and it's got this, just a beautiful storytelling approach. Yeah. And it's just damn fun. Well, thanks, Amir. Thanks, Jason. Oh, thank you.